turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. You know, the Psalms are always kind of a, a good default for me if I'm not sure what to preach on. And that's the pr problem with not being in a series. You know, what do you do next week? Um, that's why I like a, going preaching through a book of the Bible or a topic or a uh, doctrine or something like that so that uh, I know where I'm going next week. But I... Um, I can always default to the Psalms, and uh, Psalm 1 is, is a psalm that I'd like us to consider here today uh, in a message that I have entitled, As a Tree or Like the Chaff. We see here in Psalm 1, it talks about, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man, and then it goes on down and talks about uh, this man that is blessed. And that word literally in the Hebrew uh, means how happy. So we're talking about happiness here. It describes how to be happy. Anybody here want to be happy? Uh, you know, it's more than just saying, uh, put on a smiley face. You know, we can put on a smiley face, but sometimes it's kind of uh, forced because it's not really where our heart's at. And, um, you know, happiness is something that is uh, a desirable condition for for everybody. I don't care where you live. And here in, in America, it is a privilege, right? Our Declaration of Independence says we have certain unalienable rights. And you know what those are? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, our founders uh, declared that we have the right to pursue happiness as Americans. That's not always the case in every country. Uh, and yet I wonder why there's so many unhappy Americans. One of the first things that struck me when I went to Africa the first time was a happy people that lived in abject poverty, did not enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy here in America, and yet largely they were a happy people. Uh, now, the Countries that I've been in in Africa are French-speaking countries, and so I didn't have a clue what they were saying. <laughs> and yet I, the smile communicates it all, right? And, and it does for anybody, you know. Let's not just put on a happy face. Let's have a happy heart out of which a happy face can come. And that's kind of what this is talking about here. Uh, we are free to pursue happiness here in America. No one's going to tell us, uh, not to do uh, that as we are Americans and it's part of, of what we have. Generally, uh, I don't think we know what happiness is and that's why there's so many unhappy Americans, so many unhappy people. We kind of tend to think that happiness is a set of circumstances when everything's just right and all's going well for me, I'm going to be happy. Well, you know what? Uh, happiness is not a set of circumstances but it is a product of character. It is a product of, of our lives, and, and we see here it being uh, spelled out clearly uh, how this man lives and is called blessed or happy, how happy is the man. And it goes on to describe here two ways of life. There is a way of life, and there is what I'm going to call the way of death, um, as we are studying the book of Proverbs, 
That's one of the topics. Proverbs covers uh, about any topic that, that uh, we need to understand and know for this life. It's an amazing book. But you can't just start in studying Proverbs and going verse by verse like, you know, preaching through uh, uh, Ephesians or something like that. Uh, because the, the subjects are scattered at random throughout the book. These, these uh, Proverbs, these wise sayings, these jewels of life are scattered hither and yon. And one of the topics is going to be life and death. And, and uh, in Proverbs, as we study that, it's going to be kind of like what we're looking at here. We're not talking about life being the heart beating and death being when it stops beating. Uh, we're talking about qualities of life. Life being fellowship with God and all that entails and death being its opposite. And so that's what we have here today presented before us uh, that results in, uh, in part, uh, happiness. So let's get underway here as we uh, consider, first of all, uh, the way of life. Now, he gives us the route to the way of life. He says, blessed is the man, or happy is the man, that walketh not. So he is talking about the route, and first of all, he's saying what the route does not do. The pathway of a happy man does not do these things. It says, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. What we see here being spelled out to us is a progression of departure from God uh, to walk not in the council. Uh, we're talking about a path of life, a route of life to, to walk, and we're talking about uh, the council of the ungodly or the thinking or the advice that the ungodly may give us. And of course, when we're talking about the ungodly, it doesn't necessarily, as we'll see when we get down to verse 4, it's not necessarily talking just about wicked people. That's what typically you think of when you think of ungodly. It, can, it also means just people who don't have God, who just leave God out of their life. And I'm here to tell you there's a lot of advice out there, isn't there? by people who have left God out of their life to tell us how to do it. Well, to be thinking those things, their advice, their counsel, and what a man thinks is what's going to shape his life. So you see here, uh, right away, it, it starts with just the old brain up here, the counsel, the things that we think, uh, the thinking part of our being because what we think the mind is the control center kind of like the computer what you think is what you're going to desire in your heart and what you desire in your heart is what you're going to do and so input is pretty important that the uh, the man here that is described in psalm one this this way of life man he does not uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. He stopped his walk, and he stands in the way. He stopped, and he's standing in the way. In other words, uh, he is behaving now like he has the advice that he has been given 
from the ungodly. It, uh, he makes it a part of his life. He's, he's following that way, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat. To sit now, he's, he's sat down. He's taken part. He's belonging to. He's adopting the mindset of. And so you see this progression, and that's what uh, the way of life is not. And really what it is talking about is, is separation. You know, that's a topic that a lot of churches in this day and age uh, tend to stay away from. Because people don't want to hear it. This is not what you should do. But I'm here to tell you it is a very large part of our Christian life. And if you want to be happy, you need to understand the doctrine of separation. Because we have been saved, if you know Christ as your Savior, and of course, that's understood here in Psalm 1. Uh, this only can be accomplished by, in this church age that we're living in now, by having understood that I'm lost in my sins, and yet God loved me and offers a gift, eternal life, the forgiveness of those sins, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and I have received Christ as my Savior. Have you done that? If you're saved, then you know it. Say amen. amen. Was that unanimous? <laughs> I hope so. Um, I just don't assume that uh, everybody's saved in any particular crowd. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. But uh, anyway, uh, this is talking about those who who do know Christ as their Savior, this is what they are separated from. But my friends, all too often, and the people that kind of rear back at separation, and, and, and rightfully so in some cases, because that's all you hear, don't do this, don't do that, and blah, blah, blah. But it's not just what you are separated from, it's what you're separated to. We are to put off the old man, but we're to put on in his place the new man. And, and we've been saved to... To live a life that is worth the while and, and accomplishes what the Lord would want us to accomplish. And the, the greatest achievements known to man is available. If we separate ourselves from what we once were and follow after that which we now can have in Christ. So we see there's this negative part. It's called separation. But right here in this passage we have the positive part too. And uh, you see, there's a balance. There needs to be a balance. You don't just preach the positive, the positive, the positive. Everybody likes the positive. But my friends, you need to see the negative. And I tell you what, uh, God is light. And in him is no darkness. And so you got these, you've got these extremes, uh, you know, that, that exist throughout God's word. The, the negative uh, and the positive. Well, we see here the positive side of this whole thing. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, my friends, delight means to take pleasure in something. Um, to desire something. Have something that is of value to you. And what is he talking about? The law of the Lord 
the laws, a portion of God's word, and yet I think the way that this is used here, it encompasses all of God's word. There's the law, there's the commandments, there's the precepts, there's the uh, word of God, the promises of the word, and, and on and on and on you go. But this man finds his delight positively in the law of the Lord. That's why last year we took the time as a church to read through this book. And that's why we as God's people take time to, to get into God's word and to understand the do's and the don'ts of what the Lord would have us to do. There's no way we're going to know these things unless we get into it. And, of course, that's the importance of a, of a good Bible-preaching church that, that preaches the whole counsel of God's word, not just the fluff, not just the things that people like to hear. So we see here his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And you say, well, that's where it leaves me out. Uh, how can I do that? Meditate in the Lord, in the Lord's word, day and night. Uh, well, to meditate doesn't mean to, you know, sit in a chair and and contemplate, uh, or cross your legs in a corner and and uh, and that type of meditation. It the the word the Hebrew word literally means to murmur. And it can be used in a positive sense or a negative sense, murmur in pleasure or murmur in anger. There's far too much murmuring going on sometimes in anger or disgust or, or distraughtness. And we as believers are told not to do that. Children of Israel murmured against the Lord. But it's also used here in a positive sense to, to ponder, to, to murmur in pleasure. To take a promise of God's word that maybe you saw in the morning in your devotions and, and to mull it over in your mind as you go about your day. Certainly you can't, uh, you, you got to go to work, you got to go about your day, you got to do what it is uh, you, you'd normally do in a day. But you can do it with murmuring and contemplating and, and pondering God's word. That's what this is talking about. That in your waking moments, you know, you, you get busy with your job and of course, uh, that, that thought's not going to be the, in the front of your mind, but maybe something happens at work, and all of a sudden that you need that verse, or you need the one you had yesterday. And you think about it, and, and you act accordingly. And that's what we're talking about here. And so what are we talking about here? Uh, largely, we're talking about uh, dedication. Just being dedicated to the Lord, surrendered to him. Letting Jesus be the Lord of your life, desiring to know what, he has, what it is that he has said and then to find our, our pleasure and our delight in that. And I'm here to tell you that that's kind of what we see in the New Testament. Turn with me. Well, you may not need to turn, but Romans chapter 12, I'm going to go there. Where it says much the same thing, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Where Paul, to us as believers in this church age, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. My friends, we are to present our bodies to the Lord. That's talking about dedication. That's talking about surrender. 
And that's a decision that I believe we as believers are faced with because we're challenged with it right here. Who's going to be Lord of your life? To whom are you going to yield? You know, we're, we're servants. Back in Romans chapter 6, back up just a little bit with me. Don't lose your place there in 12. If you do, it's close. Back in chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants you are? whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. You see here we've got this black and white again. We're all servants. We're either servants of the Lord, and he's Lord of my life, and that doesn't mean we'll be perfect, but we're sensitive to sin, and when we do, we correct it quickly and claim that promise given to us in 1 John 1, 9, and boy, that's one to take with you every day. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Period. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He'll do that if we do our part. He is faithful to do that. He keeps his promises. Well, back to 12. It says, we, we give ourselves to the Lord. That's kind of what we saw on the positive side over here. Where he takes pleasure in the word of God. And he, he meditates upon it day and night. And then in verse 2 of Romans 12, he says, And be not conformed to this world. That's the negative part. Don't be conformed to this world. We've been saved from this, the things of this world. That's why, my friends, it's wrong for a church to think that, uh, or preach or teach or believe that, you know, we need to act like the world to win the world. And, and the services that, that go on so many places are are geared toward appealing to the world. Well, we appeal to the world, but my friends, we are not to be conformed to this world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. But be transformed, he goes on to say in Romans 12, 2. There it is. Um, transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that transform there is not talking about that immediate transformation that takes place when I received Christ as my Savior. That happened. Uh, and if you know Christ, that happened immediately. You become a child of God. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And yet we, in our life, this, this transformation is by the renewing of our mind. And again, it's, it's kind of what we see going on over there in Psalm 1. He delighted in the law of the Lord. And in it did he meditate day and night. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And how do we renew our mind? We, we adjust our thoughts and we think the things that God thinks. And this is how we find out here in this book. We renew our minds that we might be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can know God's will. But my friends, we're talking about here, uh, getting back to Psalm now, dedication that that decision that i made early on in my christian life and i praise the lord for it it was only about two or three months after i came to know christ i realized that christ died for me hey it's not him asking too much for me to just live for him it's my reasonable service just like it says there in romans 12 1 and i think that uh you know so many christians kind of just toy it at 
am I dedicated or not? Today, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And we kind of decide moment by moment or day by day or year by year. And that doesn't mean that, that if we have made that dedication, for certainly not in my case, is every day perfect. But it means that I've crowned Jesus Lord of my life. And, and that means that, that when he's not, I'm not living in light of that. And I need to confess that sin and get back to where Jesus is the one controlling the shots in my life. So that's kind of what we're talking about here in, in uh, Psalm 1. We have the, the route. Let's go back there now. And notice uh, as we get into to verse 3, we see the results of this way of life, this pathway of life. Uh, the results, he says... He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, what's that talking about? A tree is a pretty stable thing, isn't it? Stability in our life. You know, if a car runs into a tree, who wins? Not the car, not the person in it. The tree stands firm. Planted by the rivers of water. Now, that may not mean much to us here in Montana because there's trees everywhere. But go to Kansas, which is where I was raised. There's no trees out there, except by the creeks and the rivers, where they have a source of water. Some people planted shelter belts to protect them from the wind out of the north in the, in the winter. Snow comes out of Nebraska, crosses Kansas, and on down into Oklahoma. Or the south winds in the summertime, which brings the heat out of Texas and comes right on up through Oklahoma. But my friends, we, the tree that is planted by the river's water is talking about a tree that is not only solid and stable, but a tree that is growing, a tree that is, is healthy, and a tree that has what it needs to, to continue to grow. And, and this, this person, this man, this blessed man that doesn't do the things he once used to do, but he finds his delight in the law of the Lord, he'll be stable in his life. And it goes on to say, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither. And of course, that's talking about just the life that a tree that has plenty of water and plenty of nourishment has. It, it, you know, you find a tree out in the middle of the prairie somewhere, Eastern Montana or places in Kansas where, where there's no river. You know, sometimes they leaf out, sometimes they don't. And whatsoever he doeth, it goes on to say, shall prosper. So, my friends, we have not only stability, but we have success. And, of course, you know, we don't measure success by the way the world measures success. We're talking about success... By the way, God measures success. The world has success as, you know, you, you got so much in your bank account and you got, you got good life insurance and, and you're well taken care of and everything's okay and, and, and still they're not happy. You get everything going your way and you're still not happy. We're talking about success by the way the Lord points out what is success. And the one who does not 
walk after the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That's the one that will have success by God's definition of what is success. What have you gained if you gain the whole world and yet lose your own soul? You know, the, the world's definition of, of the right pathway of life and what success is is just the opposites of what the Lord has. Jesus says, you save your life, you're going to lose it. But who loses his life for my sake is going to find it. When we live for the Lord, my friends, we, we do what the Lord would have us to do, and we, we lay up treasures in heaven, and we know where we're going. And, of course, this does not mean that it's not without trials and tribulations, but everybody has them. This life is filled with it, both the ungodly and the godly. But, my friends, there's success. There is prosperity. There is life in this way of life that we're talking about here. But as we continue in this psalm, we see also the way of death as a way of life, if you please. It says, uh, as we consider their route and make some comparisons here, the ungodly are not so. Now, ungodly uh, sinners, those who live ungodly lives and, and those who enjoy sin and and promoting it and doing it and, and look all around and it's, it's there. Satan has seen to that way back in the Garden of Eden when man fell. That's where it began. And short of the intervention of the Lord, my friends, that's where it'll continue because we're born sinners. And so the ungodly can be talking about the, those who are, are wicked and those who, who uh, live ungodly lives, but it also can be those who just have no God. They, at least the God, they don't have the God. They just leave God out of their life. And, you know, there could be somebody that is a upstanding person in the community. And by worldly standards has everything going for them. And is well thought of and doesn't live a sinful life. Kind of like the Pharisees. And yet Christ says, you're full of dead man's bones. You're clean and white on the outside, but you're, you're full of dead men's bones. And so we see that as we talk about those who just leave God out of their life, it's, you're not, you don't have to, this way here of death is not just the ungodly and the wicked, and there's plenty of that going around for sure, but we're talking about people who just do not know God. And the only way you know God is through Jesus because God offers eternal life through Jesus. And uh, there's many people that do things they think is pleasing God, but they, they do not come to him on his terms and recognize that they're sinners. And yet the only way to heaven is through Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection. So the route that we see here is described just in that word, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff. Uh, we go on to see the result of their life. They're like chaff. That's uh, instability, I guess, 
spelled with a capital I. Chaff? I don't know. I was raised on a farm, so um, I think I understand chaff pretty well. You know, the combine um, cuts the whole plant down and, and it processes it. It knocks the, the seed out. It goes up into the bin, and out the back goes a chaff. Boy, I, I, it was good to stay away from the back end of a combine because there goes the chaff. Uh, stuff that just the wind blows around and, and it has no stability. And, and that's what we talk here with the ungodly. They are like the chaff which is driven, uh, which the wind driveth away. You know, I saw some uh, harvesting processes in Africa. A whole lot different there where, you know, they pile the grain in a pile and then they throw it up in the air and, and let the wind blow the chaff away as the seeds fall back down. And uh, be it corn, be it millet, be it whatever it is that they, but, but the same thing has to be done. And chaff is, is good for nothing. Uh, there's no value to the chaff. It's part of the plant, but there's no value to it. Well, it goes on to say, not only are they uh, instable, um, instability, um, it says, they, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. My friends, they are, uh, have vulnerability. They shall not stand in the judgment. You know, it is appointed unto men once to die, then cometh the judgment. Everybody's going to stand before the Lord. And, um, but they will not be able to stand in the judgment. They are vulnerable. They are defenseless against the judgment of God Almighty. They will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. It goes on to say, for the Lord knoweth, verse 6, the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And uh, the end result of those who leave God out of their life is ultimate calamity. The ungodly shall perish. But it also... uh, Mentions before that in verse 6, the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. My friends, uh, another one of the results of, of the way of life is, is hope. The Lord knows us. He knows the way of the righteous. We have hope. And our hope as a believer is not just a hope so kind of a hope. Our hope is earnest expectation and is based upon the faithfulness of God. God makes promises to us. And God is faithful. He will keep those promises. That is our hope. God knoweth the way of the righteous. And of course, I cycle back around to where we started as we think of the way of life and the results of the way of life. Happiness. That doesn't mean that, that uh, there's not trials, there's not tribulations, there's not difficulties, there's not problems. But my friends, happiness is, a, is not a set of circumstances. Happiness is a product of character. And we see the character and the character building that will result in happiness. Uh, So I guess my question would be, as a tree or like the chaff? I think I would choose to be like a tree, and I know you would too, right? Uh, God help us to understand uh, the way of life. Uh, this is an Old Testament example. Psalm 1 is a good uh, start to this 
a hymn book, this Psalter, the Old Testament hymn book, as it is a challenge to uh, God's people, Old Testament and us today in New Testament, to walk in the way of life and not in the way of death. Father, we thank you so much for your word and pray that you would uh, use it in our midst today to your honor and glory. Thank you for each one here. You know our hearts, Father. I pray that you would uh, urge us in our hearts to, to respond today if things are not as they should be. Father, that uh, you would just have the victory that each and every one of us would leave today yielded to you and committed to doing what you would want us to do and, and leave saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And thank you, Lord, for the challenge you've given to us from your word. Thank you, Father. Work to that end as we close this service, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.